Good morning. If you do not get what Jesus is teaching us today in this parable called the parable of the vineyard, you do not understand God at all. That's really what he was getting at to Peter and Matthew, who wrote it down, is getting at for us. God wants to be understood and believed as the gracious God, and he wants us to know that grace, the grace that he has is not fair. So I got a picture on the screen for you. Do you know who that is? Sandro, I looked it up, Mira Ricci. I had to even get YouTube to tell me how to pronounce his name. He's a Brazilian referee for World Cup soccer, and he is on the hot seat this week because everyone is saying he's not being fair as a ref and his job is on the line. World Cup soccer is serious business all over the world. It's the Super Bowl every four years of the main sport of most countries in the world, except for America, really. And he's not being fair, they say, and that's a crime. We all have a very heightened sense of fairness. We were born with it. We have a sense that everything ought to be fair for us. And we'll say we want it to be fair for everybody else, but we're not near as ready to fight for fairness for other people as we are for ourselves. Have you ever been watching a game that your kids were playing or you've been playing it yourself and got angry with the referee because it didn't seem fair? Yeah? And later on, when your emotions cooled down, you thought, who was that person I was? Right? Or in your family? Have you been upset because you feel like one or more of your parents is not being fair in the way they treat you compared to your sibling, your brother or sister? Or do you feel like your kids are not being fair in the way they spend time with you versus the other side of the family? Or do you think the pastor hasn't been fair because he hasn't given you as much attention as he's given somebody else? Or do you think it's not fair at work because... You're worth more than you're getting paid, and somebody else there just got a raise that you know is worth less than you. We all struggle with a sense of fairness in one way or another in every single setting that we find ourselves. It's part of what happened at the tree in the fall into sin, and Jesus comes to give us himself and the medicine that heals us and gives us peace and makes us well again. So Peter, that's why I love this parable, Peter is like you and me. And so often in the Gospels, Peter gives voice and words to what we commonly feel. And so Jesus has just talked to a rich young ruler and said, go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And the guy was not ready to do that, and so he walked away very sad. And Peter steps up to Jesus, I'm smiling because it's just so childish and yet so innocently obvious that it's what resides in the heart of all of us. Peter steps up and says to Jesus, well, we left everything to follow you, so what will there be for us? Will God be fair? And Jesus says, in this life and in the next, anyone, if by faith they left everything to follow me, God will take care of them and they will be blessed in this life and especially in heaven in the next. But, and there's the zinger from Jesus' own lips, there are some who are last who will be first. 
Now, this, there's a couple of places in the Gospels, and this is one of the couple of places where Jesus gives a zinger. The other, one, the other one I'm thinking of is 70 times 7, you have to forgive someone. And he follows the zinger with a parable to get the teaching under your skin in the picture of a story that is so simple and yet so powerful you cannot forget it. And his story of the vineyard is like a children's message. I don't think you're going to forget Dan's children's message for a long, long time. Because I jumped up and thought he spilled his stuff accidentally. And then he trained the kids on what what grace is really all about, right? And he trained us in the process. Exactly what Jesus did with the parable. But they were familiar with a workplace like the vineyard. A man owning a vineyard and a lot of people would go to work for one day at a time. Day laborers for a vineyard owner. It's very common. And so the story goes that this vineyard worker hired different people throughout the day, and then he made them line up, and he paid the last people first, but he paid everybody the same. And the people in the back got really upset. And then Jesus finishes the parable with this thing he said to Peter, because remember, the setting is Peter said, what will there be for us? And he says, the last will be first, and the first will be last. So now we're going to read the parable. Go to the picture, those guys working in the vineyard, and they'll go next to We'll read the parable, and I'll read it to you, and you just follow along on the screen or follow along in your worship folder. Okay? For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning and to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. This was very solid, good, common wage for a day's work. A denarius was a day's pay. About... Nine in the morning, that's like three hours after morning. When he says morning, he means 6 a.m. So the, the first people were hired at 6. At nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again at noon, three hours later. And, and, and three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, with one hour left of the 12-hour workday, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, why, haven't you been, why are you standing here all day long doing nothing? Well, because no one's hired us, they answered. And he said to them, will, will you also go work in my vineyard? When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius, a day's pay for an hour's work. Okay, that's not fair unless, I'm watching you, vineyard owner, unless you give me now 12 denarius because I worked 12 of those hours that you paid him for. So when... Those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received just a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. This grumbled against the landowner is a parable, and it's a, it's a, this whole thing is a parable about you and God, not you and your job or not you and your marriage or not you and your church. It's about you and God. So... Jesus is saying, Peter, you're going to be tempted to grumble against God when you see that he treats some people differently in their story with God than he treats you. So if you're comparing yourself and your life to the way God treats them, you're going to have trouble. 
So they grumbled against the landowner. Verse 12, those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have been born the the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't, don't I have the right to do what I want to with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. One of the few times that Jesus gives his own point to his parable, he has said it at the beginning, then he told the story to drive it home, and then he said the point again. Remember, this is about our relationship with God. How many of you still, after all that I've said and all that Dan has said, still feel sorry for those poor guys who worked all day long? Yeah, I know. I kind of do too. And how many of you still feel like, Jesus, we don't like it when you tell parables about unfairness. I do. And how many of you think you can relate more to the person that had to work longer and got paid the same and not the person that worked the last hour? You're being very dishonest. Yeah. Because by nature, we put ourselves in that place where we're the ones who work so hard and don't get so much blessing as everybody else, especially when the referee calls a foul on one of our little babies on the soccer field, and we just know the other kid was more at fault than our kid. And it seems so unfair. I love this parable because it gets me right where I live. Right where I live. You know, you relate more to thinking by nature that you're the one who's worked hard and you need to be comforted because God's taking care of other people. But, you know, the truth is when God looks at you, you're more like somebody hired late in the day. (laughs) If God was fair with anyone, we'd all be lost. Because what is fair is to condemn us, wasteful sinners that we are, who spend so much time of our lives worshiping ourselves and not the Lord who made us. And so much time not living for His love, but living for our love of ourself. But we, we've been saved by grace. We've been confronted with that gospel. I wonder in my heart what it must have been like for Jesus to hear Peter say to him, well, we've left everything to follow you. What will we get? When Jesus left everything in heaven to be here to sacrifice himself for all people. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it, to me, it's just amazing holiness of Christ that he didn't just go, let me just sit you down, Peter, and tell you about giving up everything. That's really what God did to Job back when Job said it was unfair that he had to suffer so much. But he didn't. He patiently taught him this parable and he said the last will be first and the first will be last because he was gracious toward Peter even in the conversation and he's gracious toward you and me. Be glad. Be glad that God is not fair with you because that's your salvation. Here's what we say. You've made those people equal with us by being gracious to them the same way you are to me. And in fact, even blessing their life, sometimes it seems better than you bless my life. And he says, so are you envious because I am 
generous. Here's, here's the deal about your own salvation. Let me just say it a different way for you. If you're upset at work because that they've been unfair to you about your, your job or your blessing there or your wages, that's frustrating. If you're upset with God because you think he's been unfair with you because you look at the way he blesses other people's lives but you have it so hard, that's devastating to your faith. One is frustrating, the other is devastating to your faith. Because the whole message of God is that he so loved the world that he gave it all. And who did he give it all for? Everyone, including you. And he gave it all for you, and it's a denarius for every person, no matter how their life is, 30 years, 3 years, 3 months, 83 years, 93 years, 103 years. It doesn't matter if you came to faith right before you died or you came to faith at the baptismal font and you lived a long, hard life of service for the Savior. It doesn't matter. It's all grace for every sinner. And if you don't get that, you risk not being saved. To think that you in any way would earn it is devastating. And to be mad at God who gave his son for you. It's devastating. Don't let that happen. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, don't go down that road. What, what's in it for us? We left everything to follow. You're thinking the wrong way. Grace isn't fair. Grace is better than fair. And you, but it's not, it's, if it's not fair for you, it's better than fair. It's not fair for anyone else. It's better than fair. God says through the, through the vineyard owner, he says, I want to give the one that was hired last the same as I gave you. I want you to see the words, the same as I gave you, and then put them under again, that word, I want. What does God want? What does God want for the person that hurt you so much? He wants them to be saved. What does God want for the person that takes their whole life just not getting the point about God and Jesus and salvation? What does He want? He wants them to be saved. It doesn't matter if they're red, purple, brown, black, or white. He wants them to be saved. It doesn't matter if they hurt you really badly. He wants them to be saved. It doesn't matter if they, they spent their whole life being a total mess. He wants them to be saved. What does God want? He wants everyone to be saved. And He wants you to want everyone to be saved. More than you want justice. More than you want fairness. He wants you to want them to be saved. And you don't have a message to save them if it's not a message where God saves everyone. If he didn't save everyone, he saved no one. Because it's all by grace and not by our earning it. There is no ranking before the holy throne of God, everyone is a failure and everyone has grace. And Peter needed to learn to get completely out of the fairness way of thinking. And frankly, we do too. And when we do, there's a huge byproduct that comes from learning this about your salvation and about God. And that's called happiness. <laughs> Some of the most unhappy people I have ever met are highly sensitive to fairness. 
and they keep track of how much time the grandparents spent with whose kids, and they keep track with how, whether the kids spent more time at the in-laws than they did at their house, and they keep track of whether or not mommy gave me the same level of present as, and daddy as they did my sister, and they keep track and keep track at church on whether or not they got this attention or that. Um, I can still remember this man has got long gone and in heaven. We, did a, we had a... a uh, Elaine Poldrack wrote a history of the congregation. And uh, there'd been a fellow that had been out of our church for 15, 20 years. And I, this was my first year here that we had this whole 25th anniversary of this congregation. And he got, I thought he was so, so he got me excited. He was smiling really big. He came up to me. He had the history in his hand. And he goes, I want to tell you about something in this history. And I thought he was going to give me a bigger story about something that he had read there. And he said, I was in that group, and my name's not mentioned here. Keeping score. He was really upset. What if you never kept score? What if you competed to win only as a second motive? Your first motive was you competed to have fun and to love in sports. What if you quit keeping score in a marriage? What if you didn't carry around the burden of all the mistakes and all the things a person has ever done? What if you forgot what they said or how badly they hurt you because you just want them to be saved? That's happiness. Grace isn't fair, and that's what makes it so great. It's better than fair. Flip to the next slide. We met this guy this week. That's Mary and me with an Apache young man. He's 25 years old. His name is Bernard Dale Jr. He lives in McNary, which is about 20 miles north of where we stayed with the kids. But we spread out to do vacation Bible school in different locations. And so we went up to McNary. And he was the church member that opened the door for us and stayed with us all morning and with the young Apache kids that were there. Bernard is between jobs, and he's, he's physically handicapped. Uh, the, this far away from the screen, you probably can't see it. But on, on the side of the neck facing Mary, he has an 11-inch scar all the way across here. Therefore, that's on the right side of his body. His, his, I mean, over here on the right side of his body, his left arm is smaller and less. it's more atrophied, and his left leg has a brace on it so he can walk. Bernard, five, uh, five and a half years ago, six and a half years ago when he was 18, he was walking outside of a little town called Sibiku, which is National Geographic once said is the most remote place in the United States. We do vacation Bible school there too. We've done it for 15 years over there. And he was walking uh, down the street. He and his brother, they were drunk. He was lost in a lot of drug abuse and alcoholism. And two other kids that were high on drugs came up and accosted them. And they began to attack his brother and knocked him down and knocked him out. So Bernard stood, stepped in and started to fend them off. And one of them pulled the knife. And he slit his throat from here all the way to here. Cut his carotid artery. And he stabbed him several times and then he ran off. And, and his brother woke up, put his hand over the wound. Somebody stopped in a car. They called 911. Parents came or grandma came. He said a helicopter. They called a 911 helicopter came, airlifted him out and... Uh, they saved his life by miraculous effort and God's help and the modern medicine. They saved his life. He was in a coma for a, a month. 
He had a massive stroke because of the massive bleeding he had in his carotid artery, and, and that's created all kinds of problems. He had brain surgery. After he woke up from the coma, he was in rehab for over a year. He still got all kinds of treatments that he's under, and, and, he, and uh, he survived that terrible attack. But he said, I was, he said a lot of people, when they say they almost died, talk about seeing a beautiful light, and they see Jesus, and he said they don't want to come back. He said, I was so lost. He said, I saw hell. And he said, there were flames and there were spirits doing terrible things to me. And he said, it was the most frightening, awful experience ever that I've ever experienced in my life. He said, I was a member of that Lutheran church in Sibiqui that you guys always came to. And he said, I'd fallen away from Christ a long time before. And he said, now I'm back. And he got help for his alcoholism, which even went... After the surgery and, you know, the attack and everything, he had it for a while. He's been two years sober, praise God, completely sober. I said, did they ever find the guy and uh, indict him that did this to you? And he said, there's no justice on the res. He said, we were all drunk. It was a fight. They, they didn't feel like they could indict and pin it on anybody. And I said, how, do, how are you doing with anger and bitterness? And he goes, God fixed me of that. That's why I'm talking to you today about him in a sermon about fairness. He said, God fixed me. And I said, how did that happen? And I want to tell you in his own words. He said, I forgave him after reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Nothing fancy. And it's something any person can do. I forgave him after reading the Gospels. And I saw that I needed to do this in order to have peace and healing. Before that, my heart was filled with anger and hatred toward him because of what he did to me. And I wanted to take vengeance on him. We asked Bernard to come down and talk to our youth group, and he did. Very humble, not flashy, just wanting to, he said, all glory to God, I'll be glad to talk to them. And this is the end of his story with us. He said, about uh, after he had read the Gospels and forgiven the guy that did this, he went to a retreat for three days. And the first morning of the retreat, he sat down when they served breakfast when you got there. And he sat down at this lunch table, breakfast table. And he said, uh, it was a, a tr- retreat for uh, treat, helping people overcome alcoholism. And he said, just as I sat down, a fellow sat down next to me to my left, and he said, I looked over, and it was the guy that attacked me. And he said, I froze. He said, there was so much I wanted to say to him. But he said, I, did, I was completely overwhelmed. I just stared at my plate. And he said, he was so filled with shame, he looked away when he realized who I was, and he couldn't look at me. And he said, it was the longest breakfast I've ever had. You might say, well, I wish the story was is that Bernard wrapped his arms around him and said, God loves you and I love you too. And, but I'm going to tell you as a, 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 a human being, the fact that he did not wrap his arm around his neck as tight as he could was Bernard was winning the battle inside because the battle inside is more important than the battle with the guy next to you or in your home or on the field or at work. It's the battle to live by grace instead of fairness. Bernard lives a very simple life with his parents, and he's struggling to get through to get his associate's degree, and he's going to keep working at it. But he's at peace 
and it's written all over his face, and that's why I wanted to share him with you. He, he's got happiness. He's not stuck in fairness. And I'm thinking as your shepherd, one of them, are you stuck in it? Are you making yourself unhappy with God and unhappy with people because you're always worried about what's fair or not? Do yourself a favor. What day do they pick up the garbage this week at your house? Write on a piece of paper in big letters, fairness. Wad it up and throw it in your trash and ceremonially take it out and put it at the curb. And throw that thinking away and live by grace. God is not fair. He's better than fair. And you don't have to be fair. You can be better than fair with yourself, with God, and everybody else. And you know what? You'll be grace-filled and you'll live a happy life. Amen.